bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nugget burger of sundae voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. This is the Yellow Army podcast from the Herald Express. To give it its full title and its guy and Dave again, Richard is still filming things for the Sports Awards. He'll end up in Hollywood, won't he? Oh, he's... he's, he's, Now, a lot to talk about this week. First of all, let's talk about Plymouth Argyle, if we must. (coughs) Well, last night's game, we're speaking on Thursday. Well done, Argyle. They they held Liverpool for long periods of that game. Liverpool won 1-0. Argyle hit the post late on. They, they they acquitted themselves pretty well, didn't I, they? I, I, I'm uh, like many uh, goals fans of of, of long standing. Um, I've never got over losing six nil to Argyle on one Boxing Day back in the seventies. Um, See, uh, I, I, and, I wasn't there at that, but I remember being anxious to know what the result was. Yeah, yes, and um, catch, and and the horror of catching up with the result on yes. the, the ticker tape or whatever it was. Yeah, in those days. Yeah, uh, well, particularly since we were going quite well at the time, yeah. we all thought we were going to beat them. Mike Bickle scored four goals. Anyway, um, uh, I certainly wish Argyle no ill will. I have many friends down there, and I wish them all luck and win promotion this year they've made a pot of money out of this tie but it doesn't translate to me driving down the A38 to watch them uh, in uh, it was uh, last night's replay um, and uh, uh, you know one of the best uh, aspects of a season about four years ago was doing the double over them when uh, <laughs> I remember Unan O'Kane scored uh, oh, wasn't a couple that a of crackers game? at Playmore didn't he but no um, uh, well done that goal of his has come back to me oh now. there Tremendous, top, top yeah. corner. But uh, no, uh, the two clubs have headed in different directions since, or look to, be, look to be heading in different directions since. And um, uh, uh, w- well done them. I hope they manage to put the money to good use. Indeed. Um, and uh, with a bit of luck, they'll achieve the promotion this season, which they missed last year. But um, yeah, uh, beyond that, I'm much more concerned yeah. about how we get on at Maidstone on Saturday. Absolutely. With it, that uh, that season when we had Union O'Kane and we had Rennie Howe and we did the double over Argyle that yeah. season. We used to wind our Argyle friends up mightily on the Herald Express website because we would persist in describing Torquay as Devon's number one team. Because well, we were above their man. There's another team in Devon, isn't there? I've forgotten the name now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red, red the, and white stripes. Beyond Buckland. Yeah, can't yeah, remember what they're yeah. called. Um, but yeah, we were Devon's number one team for a long time. But uh, those days seem quite distant now. Yes, and, but, um, but no good. I mean, you know, uh, Nathan Blissett's gone there. He got on. Last Saturday did, in the 4-2 yes, win yeah. against Stevenage. So, uh, he's quite uh, famous the, down there because he's the first player they've paid money for, as we pointed out on the yeah, podcast. He was getting all sorts of mentions on BT Sport last That's night. That's right, yeah. And of course, the more he plays, um, the more likely Torquay are to get a, a, a bit of a sell-on. That would be good. Um, from that. We're, uh, talking of which, um, there's been quite a lot of speculation this week as they're not about... Uh, Angus McDonald. Angus, yes, Red Mist McDonald, possibly, um, possibly getting a move. Well, you know, incredible, isn't it? I, I think uh, when he moved from Torquay United to Barnsley, yeah, uh, in at the beginning of August, just before the start of the season, uh, everybody knew how well he'd played for United towards the end of last year, last campaign. And but with all due respect to Gus, I, th- I think one or two people thought, my goodness, that's a that's a pretty hefty jump up to yeah. the Championship. Hope he. Coach's all right, and you know, might be seeing him come off the bench, possibly, etc. etc. To hell with that, he's uh, established himself in the side 21 appearances last yeah. time I uh, um, uh, totted them up, scored uh, um, in a game the other day, 
Um, and there's been quite a lot of speculation that Norwich have bid 1.5 million. Your boys, for him. Dave. Well, exactly. Your boys I'm, in for him. Uh, uh, I'm concerned. I'm <laughs> concerned about the way things are going with the Canaries at the moment. But still, yeah. Um, now, since then, Alex Neal has come out and sort of played the whole thing down. Um, I'm not sure about that. I, hmm. I, I have it on pretty good authority that Norwich have made an approach to Barnsley for uh, Angus MacDonald. And there's plenty um, of transfer window left, isn't there, There is to uh, take uh, its I course. I think pa- perhaps Barnsley's problem is, is that Burnley are already in for the player who lines up alongside MacDonald, Mark Roberts, for three and a half million. They've just sold Winnell, the striker, to yeah. Sheffield Wednesday, I think yeah. it is. You know, it's starting to look like a bit of a January exodus, isn't it? Mm. So that they may well be sitting on... Uh, Angus for for a little while, and you wouldn't blame them for that. But of course, the reason why we're uh, interested is because uh, I understand that Torquay have got fifty percent cut of any profit that Barnsley might yeah. make on him. So fifty, fifteen, fifteen. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I thought you said yeah, fifty. Well, then from calm down. Yeah, fifty one five percent cut. Yeah. Uh, so you know, if Barnsley, Barnsley end up getting well, let's say even the current uh, mm. uh, speculation one point five, then. You know, you're looking at best part of 150,000 quid coming to that would come into very which would be that is that is not life changing, but certainly lifestyle changing, yeah, season changing stuff. So, um, but we'll see where that goes. There's still another fortnight to go in the transfer window, and as we all know at this time of year, an awful lot can happen. But lots of things are bubbling under the surface at Talker United at the moment. This afternoon, all the talk is about uh, somebody who shares a, a proud record with you, David, has been the 100% Talker United manager, yeah. <laughs> um, is Jeff Harrop. Yes, that's right. Um, one no, game, one draw. Win. Was it, it was a draw? A draw, a draw at home oh. to Morecambe, yeah, in, in, in between the managership of Alan Nill and Chris Hargreaves. Yeah. Um, no, it was, I'm pretty sure it was a, a one-all draw. Okay. Um, uh, I, I managed United to a victory at York away yes, from did, a few yeah. years yes, ago, yes. but we'll go into that another time. <laughs> um, uh, no, he's just his his resignation or his departure. Sorry, I beg your pardon. From Yeovil Town, who when when United shut their academy eighteen yeah. months ago, which is a decision which we'll also discuss in a second in relation to another matter. Um, Jeff Harrop left Plainmore, where he'd done you know what everybody thought was a pretty good job, set, relaunching and setting up United's academy and went to do the same job at Yeovil. Yeah. And he's been there for the last 18 months. Um, uh, uh, and uh, it's just been announced that he's leaving Yeovil at the end of this month. Yeah. Which is, A, seems quite quick, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, I, th- I think one or two people wondered whether he might leave at the end of the season, but it's, it's come a bit earlier than that. So um, uh, as we speak, we don't really know the full circumstances of that. But United fans have obviously... Yeah, two and two is being put together, isn't yes, it? Yes, absolutely, yeah. and getting four, and in some cases five. Um, now, Jeff Harrop still lives in Torquay. He's got a lot of connections here and friends here. Um, and he does have a relationship um, mm-hmm. with um, the new regime at Torquay and Clark Osborne um, uh, in particular. Uh, so I think people are wondering, oh, is Jeff Harrop coming back now? Yeah. You know, I, I have a call in to him as we speak, and uh, no doubt we'll have a chat, and I'm sure Jeff will probably bounce it back at me and say, sorry, Dave, I can't say anything to you, but we'll wait until that conversation happens. Um, if if somebody like Jeff Harrop did come back to to United, it would be quite a significant move in the structure of the, of the restructuring of yeah. the club, which is currently underway, uh, and we all expect we'll gather pace as soon as today's meeting of the National League Board in Telford 
uh, yes. is concluded. Yeah. That's is that any more than a rubber stamping exercise? I mean, Georgie, I don't you've think been so. through all the process. I don't they? think so. My, uh, I understand that all the paperwork. Um, uh, relating to the takeover and the guarantees and the assurances uh, uh, have been with the National League Board for several weeks. Uh, they've made several calls back uh, to people at Plainmore to check on certain items and I think they've had answers that satisfy them. And when I spoke to Clark Osborne last week about the matter, he was very confident that the um, n nothing had been flagged up, which yeah. put them on the back foot at all, uh, and he was hopeful that the thing would go through um, at today's meeting so we're just waiting for that and I think when that happens I think that will be the kind of you know green light for them to yeah. sort of crack on with quite a lot of other decisions um, uh, around the club. One of the things that they spoke about uh, I think with the interview that you did with them was re-establishing the youth scheme in some form Quite, Playmore. which of course brings us scheme, back to Jeff Harrop. <laughs> yes indeed uh, and Interesting story today about a young lad by the name of Callum Morton, yes, who was a product of the Talking Youth scheme. He was and slipped through our fingers, so to speak. He, he, he yes, or he was allowed to slip yeah. through the fingers. This is this is this is both a very good story and a rather painful story in in lots of ways. It's a very good story that a lad from Heal, Callum Morton, uh, um, very promising young striker. Uh, came up through Torquay Academy schools football, Walden Juniors for, 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 for quite a few years um, and uh, it was Jeff Harrop and uh, yeah. the, the, those academy staff that eventually picked him up and brought him into the United Academy age groups now he was only 15, 16 at that time he's funny enough, he's 17 today um, well, happy birthday! Absolutely, and what a and what, what a way to celebrate! What a way to it. celebrate yeah, it! Yeah. Because he's just moved from Yeovil Town to West Bromwich Albion and signed a two-year scholarship deal there. So, well done to him, and well done to Jeff Harrop as well for, mm. by the sound of it, facilitating that. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, here we go back. He was part. Uh, he did turn out for the under sixteen team eighteen months ago, but but he was more the age group behind. But he was part of a of a of a, of a, a group of young players coming through, which was probably the best that United's Academy had produced Didn't since its relaunch. Didn't they have a relaunch. decent run in the Youth Cup? They did. Yeah. Um, but that was the under-18 team. Okay. This, is the, this was the under-16 yeah. and just behind group from 18 months ago. Uh, and of that group, uh, Neil Osborne, the goalkeeper, uh, Archie Thomas and Harrison Davis all ended up going to Southampton's mm -hmm. Premier Academy. As we all know, Dan Lavergham, who was a year older than them, eventually went to Wigan, who were in the championship. United got 30,000 quid about for that. And now, um, uh, Callum Morton, who, as soon as United's youth scheme was shut, Jeff Harrop, who went from Torquay to Yeovil, managed to get Callum Morton up to Yeovil. He's now ended up in the Premier League as well. Yeah. So you've ended up with four players from that age group are now at Premier League academies. Now, you imagine if they'd been allowed and were able to stay at United and yeah. progress through it, it's just an indication of the type of it, this is it's over and over again when you set up a youth scheme in an academy it does not start to produce young players for the pro ranks immediately no. it takes a few years because you're, you're feeding into that under 18 age group the scholars from under 9s, under 10s, under yeah. 12s, under 14s, constantly, and under 16s. And it takes time for them to work them, work them through with all those coaches who are working week in, week out. And that structure was shut down overnight. Yeah. 
as part of a cost-cutting measure in the summer of 2015, and you know what a yeah because it, it was interesting a, during the Argyle game on TV last night. Several times players were oh he's been at the club since he was nine he's been at the club since he was eleven and these are the kind of players who, as you say, over the course of a, quite a large number of years do eventually um, sort of bear fruit for the club. They, they do. And the, the, the frustrating and difficult thing is that it's not an exact science. Mm. You, you, you will get years where nothing much comes through. But I think the, the biggest frustration for all the people who were around United and working with the youth scheme at that time was that it was just everybody could see that they were just getting to the point where some seriously good players were starting to come through. Yeah. And that's when it was cut off. Now, I know it was done for cost-cutting reasons, but I think a lot of people around the club felt it was done too quickly, too draconianly, if that's the right word. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, let's face it, here, here goes, uh, Yeovil Town will get a pot of money from, from um, West Bromwich Albion yeah. for Callum yeah. Morton. That's money that, that, that a club like Torquay, and of course there was, a, there was an instant of it a few years ago when Liam Prynne, the young striker yeah. from Cornwall who yeah. was on United's youth scheme, uh, he was transferred, if you like, in quotes, to Aston Villa mm -hmm. and United were due to pick up more than 50,000 quid for that move. Um, uh, that sadly, fell in the end, sadly it? it fell yeah. through because yeah. he, he, uh, Liam got homesick and came home and is now back playing in Cornwall again, I think for yeah. St Austell. But that's the kind of revenue, of course, which helps to make sense of running a youth yeah. scheme because, yeah. you know, uh, the, the, the difficulty, of course, is that that sort of thing doesn't happen every year. So you have to find yeah. ways of funding the youth scheme and here we go back to the fact that it's much easier to fund a youth scheme when you're in the football league because there's funding for it yeah. as opposed to when you're in the national league stroke conference because there isn't and um, nobody underestimates the problems which United were facing at that time but it's just a major frustration that, um, but that's uh, that, that's the downside but the upside what a terrific day for Callum Morton though oh wonderful I mean, a, I mean West I've Bromley. seen him play a couple of times yeah. as a kid and he, he's, he's got it he's yeah. got something um, uh, Jeff Harrop described him to me earlier this week and I, it's obviously 18 months since I've seen him play but he said I think he's a cross between Jamie Vardy and Shane Long um, in oh, other I'd, words, I'd take one of those. Yes, exactly. Side, he, he's, yeah. he's got he's got Vardy's attitude and edge, yeah. and he's he's quick. Um, and all credit to him for for going away from home uh, um, yeah. uh, 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 from Torquay, uh, making a success of this initial move to Yeovil, and uh, all good luck to him. I know the people at Walden thought the world of him, and um, uh, uh, he's uh, you know fingers crossed that you know yeah. a seriously good young player will come out of Torquay and make a really good career for himself. Will he end up playing in that Premier League under-23 league? Uh, I'm sure he will. Yeah, because um, we've been talking about the pitfalls of that as well, haven't well, we? Well, and, and, and that's a subject that keeps coming up over and over and over again. And enough people are saying it in the game, pros in the game, yeah. that, that this Premier, that mainly from the Premier League, is, we tend to blame them for a lot of things, don't we? But these academies and this form of under-21s, under-23 football yeah. is not producing the certainly enough and not in you know uh, 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 young players mm. who have a working good working knowledge of what it takes to be a pro footballer yeah. and um, it, I, I know it's painting it rather black and white but there's a huge difference between the football that they play in these under 23 academies which is probably lovely football to watch but then when you get tackled by a hairy fullback 
yeah. in a muck and nettles game in the National League. Yes. It's um, it's a bit of a wake-up call for them, And isn't League it? Two and yeah. League One. It's not just National League football we're talking about here. Um, and uh, I remember a few years ago, Martin Ling was was manager, um, and uh, he signed Danny Ledbetter from Newcastle United. Now United fans will probably remember yeah. Danny Ledbetter. He was very very quick and looked as if he had plenty of talent as an attacking fullback. He had been at Newcastle's Newcastle mm. since he was nine years old. Yeah. Hell of a nice lad, by the way. And now, of course, he's doing a pretty good job at Bristol Rovers. Yes. But he came to United as an 18-stroke 19-year-old. I think he'd just been released by, uh, by Newcastle. And I can remember Martin Ling telling me one day how scary it was about how little Danny knew about proper football yeah. and how to play it. In other words, he wasn't having to go at Danny Ledbetter. And Danny, Danny Ledbetter has duly proved, with another two or three years in yeah. between, four years probably, that he has got the talent and he has got the ability to be a serious pro. But in many ways, he had to leave Newcastle yeah. to come down to Torquay initially, and then he moved on, to learn the game. Now, And, and, and the, the perception is that at these big clubs, they have their, you know, the, all these talented, talented youngsters and they are able to cherry-pick the ones who they are pretty sure are going to make it. And the big question mark is not those really top-talented players, presumably the Jack yeah. Wilshers and, yeah. and who come through the Arsenal scheme and all these others. It's all these other ones. What happens to the others? What yeah. happens to them? Yeah. And the perception that they are not being educated, brought up, toughened up and yeah. forged for senior pro careers. In other words, most of the care and attention... Yeah. And the concentration is put into the guys who they go, well, he's going to make it and he's going to make it and he's going to make it. So you get all these players dropping down through who, who and they're playing week in, week out. They're turning up, they're training every day. They're being coached in yeah. inverted commas. They're playing their under 20 month matches and they're under 23 games and there ain't an awful lot of tackling flying around. Um, and then all of a sudden they've just been released by Spurs, by whoever, and they drop down into lower division football and you know everybody thinks oh he must be a good young player he's just come from Spurs yeah well okay you know um, and that that's a big big problem and yeah. and, and uh, I remember I mean Chris Hargreaves do you remember towards the end of the season when we were trying to stay in the football league he signed a whole series of young players yeah. from higher clubs Bailey Cargill from Bournemouth Shaquille Coulthur Shamir Good, uh, Goodwin Fenelon as he is now and the plus point about those were not only were they, were they reasonably talented, but they were made of the right stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's what you have to do. You have to identify when these youngsters come down, have they really got what it takes mentally and physically yeah. to get stuck into lower division football as opposed to playing five-a-side football uh, which uh, it looks like too many of them have been doing. Have been doing. And, and Neil Warnock was talking about this this, this week, he was. wasn't he? Yes, he was. Um, and there was a, a lot of talk about it in connection with that Liverpool team that turned up against Argyle, who've been playing academy football, they've been playing lovely football on perfect pitches, in games with precious little tackling, as you say, and then they find themselves up against a League Two team with a mission yeah. um, and a plan, which yeah. they executed very, very well, yeah. and they didn't really have an answer for no. it. Uh, over two games. No, no, no. And I mean, I, I, I sat and watched Lincoln against Ipswich the other yeah. night. Now, you know, Ipswich have got problems at the moment. They've got loads of injuries, and I feel a little bit for them and, and for Mick McCarthy. But if you looked at that match and asked yourself brutally which team fancied it more and which yeah. team wanted to win those cup ties more and were prepared to do something about it, i.e. get tackles in, 
getting people's feet. You have to say Lincoln City. Lincoln City. Now, yeah. if you're an Ipswich Town supporter, that's got to be worrying. Yeah. You know, whether your team's good enough or not is in the, often in the lap of the gods. But, you know, you, 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 have to, you have to show that, A, you've got the mental aptitude for the, for the task, and, B, you're prepared to put your body on the line. And you have to say that Lincoln, on most counts, were superior we'll do in that. that. Yeah. You know, and they are, Lincoln, all credit to them, but they aren't the greatest conference team I've ever seen. I'd certainly have fancied uh, Paul Buckle's team from the first two years in the conference up against yeah. Lincoln. And don't get me wrong, Danny Cowley's a really top, we like top, Danny Cowley, top we, we do, yeah. top young manager, yeah. and Lincoln may well go up this year, and yeah. good luck to them. Um, but well uh, done, Lincoln, and well oh, done Sutton fantastic. as well. And Sutton, Sutton as well, terrific. still flying the flag for yeah. the National League. Great win at good for uh, Wimbledon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, no good. So we can't finish the podcast this week without at least mentioning the last two home games. Uh, Saturday against Woking was a poor, poor performance, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I think coming on the back of losing at home to Boreham Wood, yeah. you know, you, 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 everybody had come away from Christmas and New Year thinking, well, oh, yeah, come on, you know, we, we, have we turned a corner? Yes, the answer and, is and not yet. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they were very lightweight against uh, Boreham Wood and lost one yeah. nil again. United should have come out of that match with at least a point, mm. and and you know it, when you're having a bad day, which every team has, you know, and the talk Uniteds of this world in the bottom half of the conference are probably going to have more than, more than their share. But when you see that nil and that point in front of you, yeah, you have to hang on to it like a dog to a rag, and and you know United had this habit of just taking their eye off the ball yeah. in some respect. Yeah. Whether it's to do with trying to earn a brownie point or two, I don't know. You know, and and it was poor stuff, though, wasn't yeah, it? Both, then, both of those, and games. then you come out of Boreham yeah. Wood and you think, well, yeah. Woking. And the other worry was that Boreham Wood and Woking, Boreham Wood, by the way, are better than they're given credit mm. for. But Boreham Wood and Woking were both in poor runs when they yeah. came to play. Yes, they were. They weren't. Yeah. It's it's not like they were arriving on the any crest of waves, and. You have to say both Boreham Wood and, and, and Woking deserve to win. Yes, they did. Yeah, um, no complaints there at all. No, no, and, um, and that can't go on. It can't. It can't. Now, a lot of this has to do with personnel. Um, you know, and I think everybody feels, and even Kevin Nicholson acknowledges that until we get a proper centre forward uh, yeah. uh, back in the team, in the wake of Blissett, Stroke, Keeper Moore, that was a huge disappointment to him. By the way, Keeper Moore, ten days ago. Was coming to Torquay United. Really? Yeah. It yeah. was that. It was that yeah. far down the road, and uh, uh, they the, talked about wages. They talked about a transfer fee. The deal was virtually done, and then all of a sudden, as we know now, Ipswich, Ipswich step yeah. in, uh, uh, and so. But that's gone now, and yeah. and, and uh, you know, Kevin Nicholson has got to try and get a, a proper centre forward in to give the attack some sort of. Exactly. Yeah, completely. Uh, especially when you've got two wingers that look as if they're yeah. still, you know, uh, still up for it. Still up for yeah. it, and, and in Fitzpatrick and Sparks. And it's Maidstone on Saturday. Maidstone away, away on Saturday. Long all, trip on Saturday. All weather pitch. Yes. Uh, which, funnily enough, has not been much help to them this season. No. Uh, you'd expect that Maidstone and Sutton, the two teams with with three G plastic pitches, uh, would um, you know be almost unbeatable at home. Yeah, uh, uh, Sutton have got a reasonably good record, but Maidstone have actually picked up more points away from home than they have at home, which included, of course, a three-two win at Torquay. Yes, they did, which they? we'll yeah. uh, try and forget as quick as possible. But um, now the big question really there is that if Nicholson can't get anybody else in, then uh, will Luke Young play? 
I was just going to ask you that. You must have read my mind. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do we think so? Well, I, I, I think from the noises that Kevin Nicholson was making at his weekly press conference this week, um, when, when understandably uh, he didn't have a huge amount to tell us because he's still grappling with trying to get people in, was that Luke Young may well travel on Saturday. Now, yeah. whether that means he's on the bench or starting, yeah, uh, we, we don't know. I think Damon Latherop is another week or so away. And um, Giancarlo, Giancarlo yeah. Galifuoco is probably an, a little bit further away, although all three are back in training. Yeah. Uh, when you think, that you you know, managers get fearful stick, don't they, for almost every little thing they get wrong, and you know what they what's the saying? Players win games, managers lose them, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Um, but you're asking, you know, Kevin Nicholson in this particular case, Robbie Herrera, <coughs> Gareth Law, the physio, to get Luke Young back from the, a knee ligament injury yeah. and straight back into first team football without any reserve no, team out of right. if you suggested that in the Premier League they'd be going yeah. what back from a you know I mean when, when you think and the same thing happened last year even more seriously he'd been out for best part of 8 months 7 months with a after yeah. a, after knee ligament surgery and we're all holding our breath and he's got to go yeah. straight back into yeah. a game I don't think unless my memory fails me that he had a warm up game in that because of course United haven't got a reserve team and, and the da danger is that talking United fans everywhere listening to this will be putting all their eggs into that one basket saying if Luke Young's back Everything. everything's going to be okay yeah. there's so much pressure on him well, to, to deliver and, and it's unfair yeah. apart from anything else and I, I've got a funny feeling that, that, that um, if, if everything goes okay in this week in training and if Gareth Law uh, uh, gives Luke Young and Kevin Nicholson the definite nod uh, I think he, he may well be on the bench um, uh, and that's probably the best way back yeah, isn't it, it um, is. uh, to expect a player to, to after the last few months and with an injury that he, he's had another knee ligament you know, it's just other knee thank goodness not the, not the original one if, if that is a thank goodness um, to go straight back and play 90 minutes of it's a competitive a lot, game at Mason, yeah. it's asking a lot, isn't it? Because straight away you're putting him in the territory of will he be quite as sharp? Yeah. Will his touch be on? You know, etc., etc., etc. And um, you know, it's uh, difficult territory, isn't it? It is. But good luck to him. But wish him well for his recovery, and look forward to seeing him back. And that's it for today's podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. The Yellow Army podcast. It's here every week on the Herald Express. Always a pleasure. And if you're going up to Maidstone, give them a cheer for us. I won't be there. You'll be there, I David. I shall be there. Um, and as ever. The Gallagher Stadium. Yep. And couldn't United do with the result after the last couple? Couldn't we just? Come on, you yellows. We'll see you next week.